0: Hello. Hello. evening Once again, and we are here today on a Thursday, we are here with you uh, for another talk by Discover Design. Uh, Today we have Bill Bensley, the Willy Wonka of design with us. But before that, let me welcome you all uh, to the Discover Design series by JS Institute of Design. Very quickly. Discover Design is a series of webinars um, informing you about design, the various aspects of design uh, to create more awareness, to understand what design means, how it functions, what are the methods by which it it takes uh, the product forward and uh, what can be done about that. Many of you who are attending today probably are already designers or are on the way to becoming designers. Uh, today's uh, webinar is going to give you an insight into the workings of Bill Bensley, uh, what other interiors he deals with, what are his visions and philosophies, and many more. So welcome once again. I'm going to take it forward. Uh, let's say
1: my name is
0: Nancy Nain Siao. Uh, I'm heading the academics at GS Institute of Design um, and I'm going to invite Bill to talk. But before that, very quickly, let me inform you, any of your questions, uh, may please be put down in the question answer box and we will be answering them after the session is over. So please feel free to put in your questions as we move forward with the session. Now, Bill is, has been working in the areas of interior design, architecture, landscaping, uh, and is world renowned for the, his outstanding, unique, and inspiring work. Besides his profession, he is a concerned conservationist and a passionate philanthropist. His work shows that. Besides having fun. Uh, It is possible to help the needy, to educate, to help animals and help the planet via conservation. So I will be inviting him to talk about that. But a little bit more about Billy. Uh, He's known as, sorry, I know you are Billy, you are Bill and I'm going to talk to you. Uh, He's known as the Billy of design. We are going to check with him. Why? Why this analogy? Uh, Recently, Bill shared the culmination of his life's work in an open source white paper called Sensible Sustainable Solutions. And he talks about uh, how to design better hotels to fight climate change and to make the world a better place. Uh, We would also, of course, be be trying to find out what he means by that. His projects have spent from the farthest corners of Southeast Asia, from Cambodia to Phuket. Um, and also he's worked on various programs in Vietnam, along with the Malaysian Sultan's Royal Palace. That sounds very, very uh, exciting. Uh, Bill stays in Bangkok, but we can see that he has far-reaching projects across the world. So welcome, Bill. And and invite you by asking, how come you are known as the Willy Wonka of design? What's with the analogy?
1: <laughs> I think that um, perhaps uh, let me let me show you just a few slides uh, that to to illustrate why I'm known for that is that uh, for the longest time now, for the last thirty years, my philosophy in Indonesia is called lebih gila lebih baik, which means the crazier the better. Mm-hmm. And I never hesitate to do something out, out of the box. I never, I never hesitate to do something like, for example, uh, putting a, a dining table inside of a Vietnamese hat that's upside down and suspended seven stories in the air. And this, people line up to sit in the, these hats for three hours before breakfast. Right, mm-hmm. so that, that's kind of a Willy wonky Wonka idea. Can you see that? hmm. You can see that? Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. The idea here on the left hand side is uh, a project that we did in Capella and Ubud in Bali. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it, the idea is what would happen if we tried to recreate a Dutch army camp of the 17th century, but, uh, what would happen? What would that be like? So this is this is the results here on the left-hand side. And on the right-hand side is a another scenario of a, of a JW Marriott Hotel. And the idea I asked myself is that, what would happen if we tried to create a university that was built over 60, 60 70 years and, and put in that university a hotel.
0: Right, uh, I must remind a lot of people who have probably just come in that Bill is known as the Willy Wonka of design, and I'm going to set a little context to Willy Wonka. He was the fictional character uh, developed by Roel Dahl's novel uh, called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, written in 1964. Uh, films were made about them, but he's known as the eccentric owner of the Wonka Chocolate Factory. So, is there some something related to Willy Wonka that you associate with?
1: Well, you know what? This is this is some this is a title that I don't use myself. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that you picked it up because uh, a British writer had talked about Willy Wonka. Uh, some some couple of years ago, actually, in association with this Lamarck university project so it's not something that i i uh I live with every day but i am amused that you're <laughs> that you're yeah. speaking about it.
0: it's so attractive <laughs> you know i'm sure uh the, the millennial's going to associate you with that and probably see the kind of work done by you it is a little maverick, it's different, they'd like to understand a lot more about this. Um, so what about this, what is this interior?
1: Uh, this is the, the, the penthouse of mm-hmm. uh, uh, the M Gallery in Sapa, which is in North Vietnam. And mm-hmm. the idea here is that this is a bar, it's a bar in the penthouse has views 360 degrees. But the idea is that it used to be an old garment factory. And this is where actually garments were made. Mm-hmm. And we, This is absolutely 100% brand new, but I like to make buildings that look like they've been there for 200 years. I like to bu- use buildings that feel like that they've been, a, a, There for a long time, and we've come along and dusted off the layers of dust and and reused it. Uh, It's a funny, funny, uh, a funny picture in that the bamboo that you see in the middle of the uh, picture, I purposely killed that bamboo in order to make it feel this place to feel, have this feeling of being lost for a long time. Oh. Sounds strange, huh?
0: Yeah, I, I think we'll have to uh, look at what your thoughts are. Or is it something to do with the sustainability? Because you have worked a lot in luxurious hotels, which seem to really go away from the sense of being sustainable. But at the same time, in within th- this brief, you have managed to bring in sustainable solutions. So... I've heard you mention somewhere that sexiest hotel rooms are only partially air-conditioned. And your influence, you're very influenced by Hassan Fatih's work, especially of internal theory. So would you be uh, showing us some of the works related to these uh, philosophies of yours?
1: Uh, Yes, I will. Uh, But... But first, I'm going to show you the, the, Willy, the Willy Wonkin.
0: Oh, <laughs> the, yes.
1: The Willy Wonka ideas. I'm going to come to sustainability soon, huh?
0: Okay. All so right. This,
1: this is another idea of, what, of what, I, what I think is Willy Wonka. And we collected yes. uh, from all of the, the primary schools or secondary schools here in Thailand a series of about 50 tubas and, mm-hmm. and I, I really like the idea of reusing and rehabilitating and these tubas would have been sold for scrap but we bought them I don't know for $25 a piece and then I said well let's, let's hang them in a bar and I think that it makes a really interesting idea to, t- to take garbage one man's garbage can be another man's treasures, and that's certainly the case here.
0: True. Well, that is a really wonka scenario.
1: <laughs> what about this one? This is, this is a giant dog, and you can see his, his intestines, the stomach of the dog here. And then I had my friend climb into the dog's mouth, <laughs> <and> <laughs> And uh, this is in Singapore, and actually it's right next to the Indian embassy in Singapore, it's it's in a a series of high-end residences. So that's a Willy Wonka moment.
0: Yes, true. That is true. So do you allow general uh, visitors to also climb up there?
1: Yes, and we encourage dog-eating, man-eating dogs to come to this property.
0: (laughs) All right. So that yeah. those are the Willy Wonka images, I can feel that. I'm sure st- uh, the participant would also be relating it similarly with you. Okay, so yeah. sorry. I, I put the questions, sustainable questions much earlier. Do you want me to repeat them, or are you okay?
1: Yeah, I'm okay. Okay. The, this is um, you know one of the very, very simple ideas of cross-ventilation in, in sustainable... And, and while it's so darn simple, you know, this is the project that we're doing in Antigua that I was telling you about, every single, every single unit that we're doing there has cross ventilation. But if you look at the vast majority of hotels that are built today, they do not cross ventilate. Right. This is, uh, this is my, my personal project uh called shintamani it is shintamani wild right and it is in the cardamom national forest in southern uh in southern Cambodia, and mm-hmm. on this piece of property that's about as big as the central park we've built 15 very very small tents and so the point here is that even though we've got this huge piece of land, we're only building a minimal footprint of 15 tenths. Of course, you have to pay $2,500 in order to be here, but it there is a market for this, and that $2,500 $2, goes towards um, uh, rangers. We have a, 115 rangers here in the park that are um uh, taking uh taking poachers um guns away their their illegal logs away etc we'll come back to that sure. uh, this is hassan fadi's uh okay. love his work his mm-hmm. relation of natural natural waters but then also what i wanted to show you here was my, one of my best projects. It's called the Siam Hotel in in Bangkok. And unlike, again, the vast majority of hotels where you walk in, especially in a city, you walk in the front door and it's air-conditioned, I purposely, both here and in the Capella in uh, Luang Pavan, I purposely don't air-condition those spaces because I feel that that is... Uh, That is luxury, to be able to walk in the front door and see a garden, walk in the front door and see a waterfall. That is more luxury than seeing, than feeling the air conditioning.
0: So do you think luxury is moving into a new image or is it dead?
1: (laughs) I think luxury as we knew it in the past is dead. I think luxury... Uh, luxury is, for me, is adventure like this. It's adventure going to places like this. It's being able to to take a bath underneath the waterfall like this. This is all on my property in uh, Cambodia. Uh, it's a fantastic piece of land, and the reason that I took this, this is not to make money, for from the hotel, but i I'm, I'm able to. Uh, to protect it from being mined this this land was slated by the the Cambodian government to be a titanium mine and by because I bought it, I can now i can now, for perpetuity uh, allow this land to to be the home for uh, many thousands of wild animals but, then, but it's a, it 's a Great conservation project. That's my point.
0: Right. I also uh, have read that you are now focusing, I mean, directing luxury to be more experiential. And is that what the new customer is demanding? Or is that how you see luxury uh, moving away from actual just comfort and beauty to something to do with human experience?
1: Absolutely. I think that, you know, that, that um, the idea of you know beautiful flowers in the lobby and, and frete sheets and so forth, for, for high-end travelers, uh, that is passe. That's the thing of the past. People are not interested in that anymore. Uh, what, what people are looking for is to be able to learn something new. That's the key. People want to learn something new. So if you present, even if it's wacky, if it's like this Dutch camp in, mm-hmm. in, in, in Ubud. Even if, people love it. It became the number one hotel in the world last month by travel and leisure. Um, wow. People love to be able to learn something new. This is the, uh, all of this is the number one hotel in the world mm-hmm. and it's 22 rooms. Um, and when I started this project, uh, When I started this project, this this was a 120-room Aqua property. And I convinced my client not to build 120 rooms. I convinced my client, hey, this is a very, you can see from here, this is a very sensitive site.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Let's not chop down all the trees and build another hotel that nobody wants. Let's do something different, something out of the box. Let's... Use principles of minimal impact, so what we did here is we created a, a tent with a very, very small footprint that fits between the trees, and, and by doing so, we did not cut down even one tree for this entire project. We only built 22 instead of 120, but the the project cost a lot less. And we are the highest rate now in Bali. We're at about $750 per, per night. So the, the owner, this is his first hotel ever. The owner, besides getting the number one hotel in the world award, is over the moon about what, we, what we've done for him.
0: That sounds really mature in this sense of the business, in this world, when business really is a lot about just turnovers and numbers, and well, this seems quite different. So, is is the are the conservationists really appreciative of such work?
1: Absolutely, yes. That's yeah, awesome. people all around the world they support this project totally because we don't need any more. Hotel, need, we don't need any more new hotels, and by by for me doing something like this, sets an example. For other architects to say to saying no to developers, you know, let's do something that, that that works with the world without that that respects Mother Nature. That says, you know, we're not going to cut down the trees. We're not going to change the grading. We're not going to do anything harmful to Mother Nature. And let's try to work together. And we still need to do something, but let's try to do something that's copacetic, that's, that's synergetic with what's there already.
0: Right. So, Bill, really a, a hypothetical question. I mean, I can understand such a resort coming up where there is nature in abundance. But what about if you were to apply a similar concept to uh, a, a busy city or a metropolitan area where, you know, every space matters, every square inch is, uh, is really so valued? Uh, what would you suggest, or how would you think about that?
1: Oh, I do. You have, I, I can speak on that subject for about four days.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we would have more webinars then.
1: <laughs> okay. Number one, in a in a crowded city, especially like uh, especially like Delhi, yes. what I'm what I'm advocating now is renovate. Don't build new. Mm-hmm. We already have so many buildings, and and those buildings. You know, some in, some in Delhi are not the most beautiful buildings. Don't, I would say, take those buildings and then use what we have and make it better. Um, two, if we, are, if we are building new, build the hotel so that light comes, build the building so that the light can come right through the building. Right now, we, we have, how to say, and also cross-ventilation. Right now, we have so many buildings, especially outside of Delhi, that are just strictly glass boxes. And they, in my mind, are completely environmentally the opposite of what we should be doing.
0: True. Wow. Uh, Create, these are, would you help us understand what are these?
1: What are what? Oh, here on the screen? Okay, this is this is a. a
0: <laughs>
1: you, you're gonna love this. This is my new project in in uh, in Bali. It's a, it's not built yet. It's out on the bucket in the south of Bali, and we're, I'm going to do the world's first. Um, the world's first. Um, oh, it, the names escaped me. Um, the first animistic hotel. Okay. Celebrating animism, celebrating the, the idea of, of that there is a spirit in the ocean, there is a spirit in the moon, a spirit in the fire. And because long before Bali was influenced by Hinduism mm-hmm. in the 12th century, Bali was, a, uh, was an animistic, as much of, uh, South, much of the Pacific was, much of the world was, was an animistic society. And, and until today, much of the Balinese uh, traditions and so forth still hangs on to that animism. While they call themselves Hindu, um, there's this lovely hybrid, hybridization. So remember what I was talking about before, that the new luxury is about teaching people something new. And this hotel, I want to teach people how the Balinese are animistic and in what ways and how they do that. So every single thing about this new hotel teaches people about this wonderful practice.
0: So besides this, I'm very sure a lot of your other places... Uh, wanting to deliver experience uh, would be different from each other could you help us can you give us some more examples of what kind of experiences have you designed for other places
1: okay I will do that Mm -hmm. this project is the rosewood in Luangpavan and it is, Prabang is a, is a world heritage site. It's, it's my favorite village in all of Asia. Well, next to Udaipur. I love Udaipur. Uh, and this place has a fascinating history. But nobody knows about it. Nobody knows about it. So what we did was we, I, I built this property uh, again, in the UNESCO UNESCO site, I built this property with twenty-one different rooms, but every single room uh, talks about a uh, is celebrating a a figure of Laotian history that nobody really knew. For example, uh, this particular this particular room here is it blowing up for you?
0: Yes, yes, I can see that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this was uh, celebrating a man called Lager, and he was an entomologist, a, a collector of bugs, and he was on the 19, 1867 um, tour where they walked by foot from Angkor Wat all the way up the Mekong River to the to Luang Prabang. Mm-hmm. Uh, fascinating story, but. Uh, so each of the rooms is is different, and the the staff there they know all of the history about all the p- different people that we're celebrating here. And this project Nast, gave the Best Hotel in Asia award last year. Very happy with that.
0: So congratulations.
1: Thank you. Um, this these hotels these there are. Five different tents. The same project. There are five different tents here, and I'm just going to zoom in on the tent in here. And what we what with these tents, we celebrated the five major hill tribe people of of uh, of northern uh, Laos. And so that inside of this, you can see just a little bit of their costuming and so forth, and what they wear. This is the the black the Black Haka tribe. So that, that also tells people not just about the foreigners that came, but also the, the local people.
0: Right. So, uh, so alongside, um, while reading the report, I, w- I heard you mention that you include, uh, you know, bring the local into and be, let, be inclusive about the local builders, traditions, material and expertise, Uh, how were you able to do that?
1: How many were?
0: Be inclusive about the local produce and the products or local customs. I can see that in some of your interiors, but were you able to do it in many places, you know, bringing in the local and and including them into your your interiors or your work?
1: I've been doing that for every project all 220 something projects that we've done over the last 30 years in 36 countries. That's my mantra.
0: Right. Uh, So would you expand on how did you do that? I mean, what all, how did you include them or how did you uh, sort of bring them and collaborate with them?
1: Uh, well, for example, this project, that's right here in front of you. Mm -hmm. Um, there, uh, I you know I've been living in Thailand now for 36 years but when I first got to Bangkok and maybe the first time that you went to Bangkok too there were elephants roaming around roaming around the streets and they would beg for bananas and such mm-hmm. but the problem was was that the the elephants do, should not live in in uh should not live in the city and they were getting hit and by cars and the legs were breaking, etc. it was a bad place for them. So what we did with this project was that we, uh, we bought, actually purchased 36 different elephants and we brought them up to Northern Thailand and gave them this huge area in which to roam. And that was very synergetic with this tiny little Four Seasons camp that we built there. Um, and this is the interior of that camp. And and so it became a place where the the guests could ride and then also understand what about elephant care and and understand how really beautiful elephants are. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that won the award, Best Hotel in the World, three years in a row from 2005 to 2007.
0: That's wonderful. Congratulations once again, Bill.
1: Thank you. Um, this, is, this project is, is a great example, one of my first projects of, um, it's also Four Seasons, but one of my first projects of minimal intervention. And I, I bring this up because there's some real fun things in here, that uh, when we started this project, there were 867 coconuts on the site. And we, when we finished, there were 867 coconuts on the site.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, we didn't cut down even one. And I what I did was we 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 invented something called the hula skirt. So right. that these coconuts, they all wear this Hawaiian hula skirt so that they can they can penetrate through a building. They can penetrate actually through through the roofs in some place, but by wearing a hula skirt they'll shed the water so the water doesn't go down inside yeah. and, and they will, will allow us to bring to allow us to build around all of, all of the trees instead of cutting them down.
0: Right. So, Pretty, so it, it you to up. them. Sorry? So you skirted the coconut or you build around it, but you didn't touch them. You exactly. let them. That's, yeah. That's wonderful.
1: Exactly. Um, And it took me for that particular project, here's the site down here, but Mm -hmm. it took me um, something like 25 times going to the site and then to figure out where the buildings were. And I built every building with string and bamboo before Mm -hmm. we started with the contract, before we did anything harmful to the site, we did Things with string and bamboo, and that allowed us to be able to see where the volumes of the buildings were going to go. Um, I believe when I, I, believe that when I'm um, issued uh, given a beautiful site like this, that I can only make the site look worse. Mother Nature is is the queen. What she gives us naturally is the best it can ever be. So what my job is, and our jobs are as architects, is about mitigating damage. No matter how big of an ego I have, I know that I can never, when, I have, when I'm given a beautiful natural site, I know I can never make it as good as what it is already. So it's about mitigating damage. Does that make sense?
0: Right, it does. But I'm wondering whether was your budget pushed up a lot more because you had to take all these considerations.
1: Um, I, absolutely not. In fact, in fact, by not grading and by making small, smaller, uh, smaller units, we actually save money for the client. Mm. Mm. You know, I. Uh, <laughs> you know, I worked on the Oberoi in Udaipur and in Jaipur and in. Agra, and we used to joke about it that that we used to go to drainage meetings. And this may maybe sound funny, but we spent so much time <clears throat> trying to organize where a little bit open. It doesn't rain very much in those places, you know. We spent so much time trying to organize where the rainwater might be might be uh, uh, picked up and then brought to a culvert and then brought to another place, put into a tank and then put out to the sewer, like it's something horrible. And what I believe now, and the way I would do it now differently, uh, the way I would do it differently is that I would, would have picked up the buildings, I would let the, the rain fall on the site as it has fall, fallen there for millions of years, and let it do its thing. Let, I'm, I should make my architecture take the back step and not worry about the way it drains. Let it drain naturally. Hope that makes sense. Wow.
0: That sounds really uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, an, an effort to educate not only the, the, work, the designers who are working on this, but also the financiers and the owners and the bosses, uh, the people who, the hotel people who want to, who have a vision of what kind of hotels they want. So, how difficult or how challenging was it for you to, you know, come up with these new ideas and, and convince your uh, finances about the new thinking of conservation, uh, of being sustainable, etc.
1: Well, you know, uh, how to say. Um, you know, I, what's on the screen right now is, again, it's about um, experiences and so forth that we offer at Chintamani Wild, but by, to answer your question more directly, is that by doing uh, projects of my own, I'm setting examples of, okay. of of inexpensive ways to build that also respect nature, but also gain the interest of the international community and get lots of high-end people, like Ed Sheeran came here. Let's Get lots of high-end people, Leonardo, they come here to, to see what we're doing. So by leading by example, I guess is the best way to answer your question.
0: Right. That sounds really the right way to do it. Thank you. Okay, we're moving on.
1: hmm so again, this is a is a um, a slide that's all dedicated to J.W. Marriott and Fuquaoa, and it's um, we are creating a Willy Wonka experience, if you will, <laughs> uh, and we've created these this fictitious uh, university, and these two big dogs over here—they're the mascots for. This is the entrance into the university. I created this, the, 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 um, the Lamarck uh, Ridgebacks. So that's the name of the dogs. And you know why? Because I love dogs.
0: Yes, Sammy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, this is Frankie. I have six dogs. Oh. They're all here with me right now.
0: Right. So you yeah. one this one with you.
1: This, this one's Pretty
0: twice the- as... <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. So, um,
1: so this is luxury. Mm-hmm. That to me, that when you're in that place, you're comfortable. You can be with your your girlfriend, your boyfriend, mm-hmm. uh, and you're in a great place. When you're by yourself, that to me is the is the luxury. True. This to me is luxury. To be able to be out, be comfortable, be able to hear the gibbon, hear the hear the birds—that's luxury. This, to me, is luxury.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Arrive at my Shintamani Wild. It's a we arrive by a 450-meter zip line, <clears throat> and you have to climb up a tower, 12 meet, 12 floors in the air. And we zip, we zip across a, uh, a waterfall.
0: Right. Right.
1: And this is our trapping. That, mm-hmm. This is luxury. This is a, a trap that, that, um, that goes off automatically. We saw Slow Loris last week, which was great. Uh,
0: what is the trap for?
1: The trap is when something goes by, it takes a picture. So we know what's in the forest. Okay. And then this is luxury too. This is for the last 20 years or so. I've been really involved in my uh hotel and, and uh called Shintamani, Shintamani and Siem Rip. And then mm-hmm. these are all the all the people that are work at our hotel school. Mm-hmm. And we have uh we support small schools, we've done, you know several thousand wells and so forth you do a lot of this in india better than we do. and and then this this right here this is a new program that we're handing out the water filters Um, we have uh, a farm school we have where we're growing a lot of our own work our own and we also have the dentistry programs where we uh, go with the great dentists that arrive three times a year into the into the field and then give children their first dentistry ever, and small small loans program. So that that is success to me.
0: Right. Um, may you, I ask about the phil- a question on philanthropy? Yeah. Um, how did you How did you look at this aspect of you know diverting into a field of work which really requires a lot of your time? I guess. Uh, how do you sort of want to align with it later on? And how do you see this going forward?
1: How do I see what going forward?
0: You know, your act, your philanthropy activities and how do you align it to what's happening with you professionally? Is it different? Are they sort of two different worlds? Or do you think you you are, do you sort of look at it as, Aligning it together and both of them happening to with you alongside.
1: Well, you know, what is that, you know, I, as you know, I design hotels. Now I, in Cambodia, I I own hotels, but the reason that I own hotels is because I, because of the philanthropy, because we can do good. That's, that's the only reason why I do it. So it, to answer your question, it's one and the same. It's, it's, um, it's part of my business. It's uh, part of my joy is designing hotels. And then I think by owning hotels, I've, it makes me a better hotel designer. But my prime objective is to help, period.
0: Okay. Thank you for that. And and now, um, well, we, I have a few things uh, to, but if you can show us what all... I wanted to know from you, you've been very successful, perhaps um, almost throughout. And after, well, in the third decade of your work, uh, probably you have also undergone a lot of experience with not only your subject domain, but with people, uh, with the communities around you. How would you define your success now and what insight can we have about
1: that? Um, I honestly, I think that um, I'm not very successful yet. And I haven't really found um, a- any, anything that's groundbreaking. But I, my goal is, before I'm dead, <laughs> before I'm dead, I'm going to get there somehow.
0: <laughs> so you still have many more years to go <laughs> <get> to that.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I, I keep we just gotta keep on trying
0: what advice would you have for all the young millennials uh, you know about those who are, in, who are on the way to develop their professional life how do you see this field moving forward what's going to happen post-COVID? I mean, there are many questions in our minds, in the youngsters' minds, and we all, I'm sure there's a lot you can say about it, uh, but do you think there really is a future ahead, and what kind could it be?
1: Absolutely there's a future ahead. Um, and I, I think that future is, is very bright, and especially in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that your country um, more so than many countries around the world, has more potential for 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 tourism and for for ex- exploring the idiosyncrasies of the villages of of India. Everyone knows the big places Rajasthan, da 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 da, but there's so many more layers beyond that. So my suggestion is 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 three three things for your for your Indian students is mm-hmm. that right now don't wait for don't wait for post COVID mm-hmm. get out and see India
0: okay
1: huh and number two leave your hand phones behind don't because I I, I think I think that's the ruin of 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 uh, young people today. They spend way too much time on screen. Go out into India, number three, go out into India with your sketchbooks and your pencils and, and try to understand in a deeper way, the architecture, the, the people, the, your, your wonderful crafts that you have. Uh, try to understand by way of drawing. And by way of drawing, That is so much more, it lasts in your head so much more than taking an iPhone picture. And it lasts so much more than your IG account, et cetera, et cetera. If you can actually sit down and for 10 minutes, for two hours, draw something, and that will be with you for life as opposed to taking a photograph. Whenever I go on on vacation, I'm always bringing my my watercolor pad, my sketch pad. I draw continuously. And by drawing, that makes you more creative. It trains your mind. When someone comes to to Bensley to get a a job, um, they try to show me their portfolio. 99% is filled with computer drawings. I went, I don't want to see that. Here, you. here's a piece of paper. Here's a pencil. Go and draw that Ganesha. I mm-hmm. want to see. That. And I have a Ganesha here. <laughs> and yeah. I said, draw Ganesha. And, and I have probably a hundred different drawings of the Ganesha from various people that have come in. And I will know within, within half an hour whether that person can design or not by the way he draws the Ganesha, he or she? Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I guess um, uh, the audience were made up of young people. Uh, Perhaps you may not be convinced as much by your teachers about drawing, but here's Bill telling you drawing is important and you perhaps develop your thinking through drawing and do you develop a style and way of seeing. So it's really going to be helpful. And so that's great, uh, Bill. Thank you so much for saying all those things. But I have a lot of questions lined up for you. Uh, Are you ready? Do you want to have a drink of water before you start on that? Shalom. (laughs) Okay. So uh, questions for you. Um, Okay. This is really business-like. How do you manage to negotiate with your clients to accept your Willy Wonka design language? In
1: the traditional contextual setup. Okay. Um, you know, people uh, people come to me because they want something different. So I don't have to, especially now, I don't have to do too much convincing. Uh, but we have to perform. So it's, it's really, how to say, it's now... Uh, the efforts are more internal now than they are about working necessarily with hotel companies or it's how do, how do, I, how do I get the best out of ourselves and about all wonderful 120 designers that I have here. That's, that's, that's really the key. Right. It's an internal. Mm-hmm. Um, shall I go on
0: to the next one? Since you have worked on certain Indian projects, how do you think Indians perceive luxury as compared to your other international clients? That's an interesting
1: one. Yeah, that's, a, that's a very good question. <laughs> um, that's a very, very good question. You know, when we, when we finished um, uh, the Jaipur Mm -hmm. Um, in the Obroi in Jaipur there was that first two years first three years there were maybe 2% Indian clients coming to that and then when I went back to uh, Udaipur er earlier this year the clientele was 100% Indian (laughs) There was, there was no, there was no, uh, no foreigners there at all, except for me. Uh, so that, that answers your question. I mean, the, 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 learning curve of Indian travelers is going like this and up and up and up and up and up and up. So it's, uh, it's very gratifying to see that.
0: Right. Um, Shashi, who's a huge fan of yours, has a question for you. Do you consider designers like yourself dream visualizers? Uh, Do you think hotels are slowly transforming from monolithic structures to what could be called invisible or less visible experiences?
1: Absolutely, yes. Perfect.
0: Mm -hmm. So has Shashi answered his question himself? Uh, so th- the other one is, of course, you have to answer this, Bill. Do you consider yourself a dream visualizer?
1: Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. My, in fact, my Thai name is Subin, which means the dreamer.
0: <laughs> well, at some point you are. Um, and that's what, Sashi, I hope you are, uh, you, you agree, you are hearing what Bill is telling you. Uh, Varsha has a question. What kind of materials do you use for such innovative structures? Um, Materials that you really like using?
1: The materials that I like using um, nine times out of ten come from a 200 200 kilometer radius of the site. Uh, If I'm Mm -hmm. if I'm Jaipur I'm going to use you know the the Jaipur stones right if I'm going if I'm if I'm working in Vietnam I'm going to be using materials that I know that they can make well there they make beautiful concrete tiles they are fantastic in in cement rendering works uh they are terrific in 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 forming uh, steel works etc um and very good also in crafting in, in carpentry. Uh, so I, to answer your question very simply, look locally, understand what people do locally and, and work with that. That is environmentally the most sensitive and, and sensible thing to do.
0: Right, right. Uh, Shweta is a big fan of yours and thanks you for our lovely conversation. Her question is, "Why do you love designing hotels as much as you do?"
1: Um, I how to say? Let me let me change that question a little bit. Um, I love designing hotels as opposed to as opposed to houses or as opposed to uh, apartments because, and especially high-end hotels. And this this is very important in that and I'd love that because they're maintained. A five-star hotel is maintained beautifully, should be, especially four seasons and that, that I capellas and rosewood and so forth. They put a lot of money into maintaining and uh and in fact I've been working on the four seasons in Chiang Mai. Every single year since they opened 25 years ago, I am their visual policeman. As okay. um, where I worked on hotel, uh, uh, beautiful houses, and I worked I worked on houses for, for three years. For example, the day that the owner moves in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it not go, a postcard with. <laughs>
1: and you can't say anything because it's not your house. So that's why I like uh, that's why I like to work on hotels because of the they're maintained. It's as simple as that.
0: Well, those of you who are aiming to design for residences, that's a little hint from Bill. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, another question is um, from Shreya how do you navigate disagreements with clients over creative differences
1: I, I'm sorry can you say it once again
0: Okay how do you navigate disagreements with clients over creative differences
1: Um I, you know I I take the that's a very good question I take the I uh, the idea that Every design problem has hundreds, hundreds of answers. And and to to never let let design differences between you and your client uh, move you apart. Think about all of the different options, which might be good for you, and good for your client. There's no black and white in design.
0: Right. That's, that's some words of wisdom. And uh, I am very sure all of us experience differences. And that's a good one to follow. So another question from Chandu. What are some sustainable materials you have used and what's your favorite? Can you name them?
1: Uh I can.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um my favorite sustainable materials are are materials that are pre-loved, that are reused. Anything that's reused. The, the you know the chair that I'm sitting in, the, the table that I have my feet on, the the chair that my puppy's sitting in over here, they're all You know, I bought them, you know, recently, but they're all 40, 50, 60 years old. Um, It's the the Capella Ubud, the number one hotel in the world. The interiors are primarily made from garbage. Okay. Sounds really funny, doesn't it? But they're primarily made from garbage. They're primarily made from things that people didn't want anymore. And I go into the junk shops and I pull things out and let's put this together with that and maybe we can make a bed. Right. And, 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 and yeah, it works. You know. Mm-hmm. And so, so the answer to the question is, is anything that's recycled is my yeah. favorite material.
0: So perhaps it's also about cultivating an eye. You yes. Look at an object and visualize it and perhaps that's your own individual Development, okay. Um, I
1: love too. Sorry. And I love junk. <laughs> uh,
0: I think you can afford to say that, Bill. <laughs> all, of, all of us who are struggling to do things, we have to find our own little sphere of success. Okay, yeah. um, how do you make, sorry, how do you make a room cooler naturally?
1: Um, you know, naturally, um, yeah, there's the obvious question. The obvious answer is by shading.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and that's one of the things that the high rises of, of Delhi, of gurgaon don't do. And they, they sit, you know, blankly in the, in the hot sun and they overheat if you if you're not pumping thousands of kilowatts of air conditioning into them. Uh, it's about shading. It's about insulation. It's about cross ventilation. Uh, I one of my favorite things that I use in high end resorts. It's called a big ass fan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's the most um, a fan you ever see, and it moves lots and lots and lots of air. So even in the hottest day, underneath the big ass fan, I'm happy.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, Okay. here's a tough question. 36 locations and different cultures. How did you ensure the local um, is authentic? How much research do you do before you start a project? So it's about your statement saying that you really always build in a little bit of the local culture into the space. Uh, so how much of research is, takes place and how do you do it?
1: That's a, that's a really, good, uh, really good question. And I, I have um, uh, uh, maybe a three-part answer.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: One of, the, one of the things I do when I go to a new place, um, and that is that I will go to the place of worship. And it doesn't matter whether it's a synagogue or a Hindu temple or a, a Balinese temple or a, a church and wherever. It doesn't matter. I'll go to the place of worship because that is the place that, over the centuries, that's the place where people tend to put more design energy. So even even if you, and that that by seeing that design energy, then that gives me an innate understanding of who these people are. It's like uh, those people are. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> go, dogs, go.
0: Uh,
1: it's like, um, as I can understand from the drawing from, of somebody's Ganesha, I can understand that. Um, two, I will go to every single museum. Number two, I'll go to every single museum that I can possibly go to in that particular location to understand history, to understand art, to understand um, where they're coming from and number three i'm going to go to the bookstores that there is there and buy everything and sometimes I come come away from a new place with 40 50 books and i absorb them i have a big reader i just finished up last night it was great
0: <laughs> whoa so well uh young designers we also need to read a lot i think that is going to be a good habit, which is going to sustain us through our professional life. Um, yeah. Yes, that's a good advice there. Okay, another another question to do with hospitality. A lot has been said about anticip- anticipatory services and hospitality, and and the value of a first impression. So, where do you start for the guest? So that's the impression. The guest needs to have right anticipatory hospitality and a service that is and a first impression for the guest who comes in so in your design, how would you do you consider this at all?
1: Well, remember that slide about the the way that you enter my shit to my wild, the, mm-hmm. the four hundred meter zip line yeah so. People are anticipating months in advance. Oh, holy shit. I have to go on the zip line in order to get into that, into that hotel. Oh yeah. I want to do it because the vast majority of the people that come to us have never ziplined before. And when you can put somebody out of their comfort zone, even if it's that much, people will remember it. And by, by telling people you have to come in by zipline, that is um, how to say that people remember and anticipate because, because 40% of travel is anticipation, as you know. So that's so, and that's probably the best example that I can think of. The second best example is uh, our Four Seasons in, in, uh, in Chiang Rai where people were anticipating for riding an elephant for the very first time. People like that, getting pushed out of their, pushed out of their box.
0: Yeah, that's going to be breathtaking, literally breath-holding. I can say <laughs> that, you know? Um, okay. And there's a very nice question about the hula skirt. I'm sure people had a different vision image in their mind when you said hula skirt. But that's um, interesting. How do you learn about these things like the hula skirt? And can you reuse this feature in a different climate?
1: I want everybody to use hula skirts, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, now, and it's it pretty, darn, pretty darn simple to do. I, it's my own invention. I didn't find it anywhere else. But I, because I wanted to be able to, to take coconuts and trees through the roof, Without, without having it leak. So the, um, the, the key is plastic sheet, and then we do something called ijuk, or a, something of very dense fiber, and then on top of that is a long grass. So it's that hula skirt. Underneath the skirt, there's several layers of waterproofing. But you can do it a million different ways, but the most important thing is to, to respect Mother Nature and to work with the trees as they were there first before us.
0: So does it work for other trees as well? Of course. Okay. Well, I'm sure this is something which you people, the designers could be making use of. there's a very important question over here. Hoteliers and designers should be more accountable for the impact their projects have on environment.
1: Agreed.
0: Yes. So uh, what, how, how would you deal with this? I mean, what do you take care of when you are in the process of designing?
1: What do I take care of? What do you mean?
0: Uh, you know, this is saying that, yes, the, the, these projects have an impact on the environment. So how much of it troubles you? So for example, oh. the, the hotel owner will say, I want a big hotel, a good one, visible from whatever the moon Um, how would you sort of want to go around doing these works?
1: Well, as I said a little bit earlier, is that people come to us now because they're much more than 20 years ago. They're much more aligned with um, good environmental practices. So I don't have to necessarily start from ground zero with every client. Um, I think that... In general, the hospitality business now is much more aligned uh, to building envir- in an environmentally correct way. It's becoming more very clear. The last two years especially, it's becoming much clearer that guests are choosing hotels which are environmentally, more environmentally and socially correct than they were in the past. So we're making a gradual transition, whether we like it or not.
0: Right. Well, I I know you've repeated this so many times, but really I can sense your essence of work. Um, Now here's a little personal question, but I know that if people are eager to know you better, Bill, how did a boy from California become the king of luxury exotic travel? Tell
1: us more about your journey. Um, I, uh, well, I, I had to say I grew up on a farm in, in California uh, mm. where I, I grew my own vegetables. We had, we had bees. We had chickens, quail, ducks, rabbits, compost heap. We had a closed system at home, um, and where we were, we were pretty much self-reliant on everything except for beef. Uh uh we had we had orange trees, we had fruit trees, et cetera. So um the idea of sustain of sustainability and organic gardening and so forth, I grew up from I grew up with that from a very early stage. Then I went to school to learn landscape architecture, which also taught me first and foremost how to be a good patron of the earth. Then secondly, I went to school at Harvard where I learned architecture and, but it's really my training as being a farmer and a gardener and a landscape architect that is most important in my work today.
0: Okay. So, uh, you know, Bill, there are many, many more questions, but can I just ask you one last one? Because this is really uh, somebody who has, uh, she's in dilemma about being a budding artist. So Shreya says, that I have often conflicts uh, and dilemma about whether appropriating art to learn is somehow, is somehow wrong. And how do you cruise between creating original work and perhaps uh, you know, taking inspiration from other artists in your work?
1: I, you know, yeah. Um, I, I began painting three years ago Mm -hmm. Uh, and I I can't cannot stop painting now I love and my favorite thing to do is to take inspiration from other artists and I boil it here and it comes out in oil and and in acrylic etc but I love painting and I think that 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 artistic expression helps me so much As an architect, as an interior designer, as a landscape architect, it makes me much freer. So don't be in a dilemma. Mm -hmm. Love that idea that you love artists, you love taking taking ideas from other artists. That's great, do it.
0: Great. So Shreya, I hope you are going to leave aside all your worries and dilemmas and go ahead at least As you move, as you evolve, I'm sure you'll find your paths. Uh, But Bill, I must say that the way I have heard you today, you're just, you know, you're steaming along. And uh, well, if it's art three years ago, uh, I'm sure in another few years, you're going to discover many more things you'd love to do. And we are really looking forward to seeing a lot of your work. I mean, it's it's really exciting. Uh, I see a lot of, your fans coming up with these questions. There are many more questions and I was um, requesting Mink from your office to help us answer these questions later so that we can forward it to the people who have asked all these questions. Uh, I wanna thank you a lot. Thank you for opening up, sharing with us your life, your journey, your vision, your thoughts, and we hope we will be able to keep in touch. There are many of them who are asking about interning with you. So uh, I'm sure they can write to your office and pro- perhaps you have a particular process to follow. So I would advise students to do that. Uh,
1: that was... right.
0: you
1: Yes.
0: Okay. Uh, but before we move on, I'd like to uh, invite uh, the participants who are here today to do check up on our courses on what we are offering. We do want to, uh, as we have mentioned, we have just recently started with our third term and we would be looking at introducing the fourth term in December. If you have any questions, come and look up our short term programs being introduced in October and, um, and of course, any more Questions on Bill. I'd love to get your questions so that I can be in touch with him to ask you about those questions, Bill. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. 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 And thank you to the JSID team and Mink and Bensley Studio, um, members of Bensley Studio. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.